Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. to the Donaldson Files here, the Tuesday edition, and we're going to spend this hour, and we got two hours that Dr. Larry and I are going to follow up on some themes that are going to begin this hour, so we're going to have three hours of great radio and over the next three hours. We're going to talk about things from perspective that people don't normally talk about, and joining me uh, to help me along is the Swamp Girl herself. From Columbia, South Carolina. Pam, Pam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Tom. It's pretty hot down here, though. Uh, well, guess what? It's pretty hot. Doing it's pretty, pretty good hot today. Up here. Yeah, it's pretty hot here too. So, uh, yeah, we we actually got what we call very humid. Well, at least we did have humid weather until it started raining. Yeah, well, it was only 91 <laughs> degrees here, but the heat index got up to 102. Um, yeah. Because it's just wet out there, you know. It's just and yeah. it's a little bit difficult to do things outside, you know. But people yeah. are still walking outside and, and doing. You kind of learn how to do that here. But it's when you do about a uh, probably a quarter of a mile walk, and you get home and you're just wet, you know. <laughs> yeah, and wet doesn't sweaty wet. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right. It's not sweaty. It's there's that much wet in the air. You just yeah. Wet. Right, yeah. But here's what we're going to do. So, yeah, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to. There's some things I've been writing about. I want to get your views on them. Uh, I'll put them on DonaldsonTFiles.com. DonaldsonTFiles.com. That's the uh, my blog that I do in association with the show. And plus, sometime this hour, I'm going to read excerpts of my book that is now in the publishing. Uh, it was with the publisher. So we're, you know, trying to get it published. So, and and you, Pam, will be the first to comment and listen <laughs> to America at the Abyss. So, but. I read the last uh, excerpt that you sent out, the last little thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's going to be Pretty now, interesting. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, yeah, I. I've had people say to me privately, you know, uh, and and we're going to talk more about this tomorrow as well. I mean, this is what I wrote at DonaldsonTFiles.com, uh, which I did put on the, uh, you know, the timeline for Twitter. And, mm-hmm. and basically, here's the way I'm kind of looking at it is this, you know, Biden is the symptom. While many of the Democratic Party are shocked by what is happening in Afghanistan, 
And we've seen, you know, off-the-record leaks that uh, that we, in the military and intelligence, told Joe this would happen. And there are even a few people in the media complaining. Uh, now, the reality is, you know, the Biden bungling of Afghanistan was a disaster that's been coming for two decades. Uh, and, but the policy, but Biden's policy turned it into disaster. But his policy turned it into disaster, anything but Afghanistan. Now, here's the point I'm going to make to the audience. And this is a point you know, I made on Twitter, and that is this. Would we have seen anything different with a, another Democrat, if a President Harris, a President Sanders? Uh, for example, economics. Okay, the economic plan of Joe Biden is increased spending, loose monetary policy, increased taxes on the productive side of the productive part of society. Uh, and we have to say inflation is like too much money taking too few goods. But the plan we're seeing now would not produce enough goods to soak up the loose money. In other words, inflation, the, you know, inflation may not be the transitory thing. We may see a repeat in the 70s. Uh, the energy policy are based on the illusion that we can produce all of our energy with wind and solar while eliminating fossil fuels. So that's the goal. But yet we have, you know, Joe Biden begging OPEC to increase product, production. But again, would anybody else done this any differently? You know, the foreign policy has been a disaster, but would a, any of these other individuals done the foreign, you know, done foreign policy any different than what we'd be seeing? You know, you know, immigration and crime. Uh, these are all issues where, quite frankly, you know, would there have been a major change from any other president? In other words, uh, yeah, and this is a point I make. Biden's policies would have been a disaster in any leading Democratic presidential candidate. Their policy followed Biden. Bernie Sanders essentially wrote the $3.5 trillion stimulus. Alexandra Cortez wrote the Biden version of the Green New Deal. And there's, you know, so my question to you is, is Biden, you know, would there have been anything different from any other Democrat based on some of the, you know, based on what I said? Uh, do you see a President Harrison, a President Sanders doing that much different than what we're seeing right now? Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts on that is definitely no, and but my reasoning may be a little bit different because you're talking about individuals. I believe that the Democratic Party on the whole has been hijacked, um, and I don't think Biden has full reign, and I don't think Harris would have full reign. And as far as Bernie's concerned, I think that Bernie would have totally ignored Afghanistan. Bring him home. Don't worry about it. You know, see you bye. It, you know, uh, I think his his uh, he would have been a little bit different. Um, but I think it's the handlers in the party right now. I don't think it is. Um, Biden himself being president that's making a difference, and I don't think it would be Harris herself that's making a difference, you know. Um, I believe it's the handlers, and the handlers are still stuck on anything but Trump. They're still stuck on it, and as long as they stay stuck on that, you're going to see the same thing with anybody who's president in the Democratic Party right now. 
I mean, there, there's people yeah, behind the scenes there that are doing stuff. You know, these generals yeah. and stuff knew better. You can't tell me these military people didn't know better and didn't, you yeah. know. Um, but the well, ignorance is anything but Trump. You know what I mean? Well, that's my well, well, that, on uh, yeah, exactly what I mean, because if you look at the, the immigration policy, for example, they reversed everything he did on immigration. I mean, one of the aspects is we saw a decrease in illegal immigrants coming into the country, and we've seen now we've seen the flood coming in. And so they did that. Uh, I know in the Middle East they went back to the policies of Obama dealing with Iran and trying to restart the Iranian deal, and they pretty much ignored the Abraham Accord, which would have united the Sunni, you know, the Sunni Arabs and the uh, Israelis. Correct. And right. so it's, yeah, right. Well, it's almost like anybody but Trump. Uh, or if, well, even th- th- if Trump even thought of it or even talked about it, they are totally going in the opposite direction. Um, whereas yeah. some of his stuff may have been good, but nobody wants to look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. But here's the question, yeah. Trump, because you make, but here, but you make an interesting point. You mean who's controlling the party? And I think that's a legitimate Correct. question ask because yeah, I know that you know my normal you know like Coco you know you know for the past two past year has always talked about the influence of the Bernie Sanders which she called the Bernie bros and I think Correct. the Bernie bros have a definite impact on the political uh, definite impact on the, where the party is going as I stated you know, again that's the reason why I made the statement you know would we have seen that much difference because, like I say, Bernie Sanders essentially is writing the great, I mean, wrote a good portion of the stem. I mean, this is like coming out, you know, his, you know, his ideas. And certainly Alexander Cortez and came, you know, the environmental policy, the green, you know, the climate gate, uh, the climate, climate uh, change policies and the energy policies are coming pretty much of Alexander Cortez. And it's, you know, you know I guess the, you know, and so my question is going to be, and I want you to think about this uh, as we take a you know, take a quick break here. Uh, you know, who do you think is influencing the party at this point? This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, and the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent. One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files here in the Best Movies Radio Network. Look, folks, if you want to know more about how to listen to our shows, here's what you need to do. Go to bachelornews.airtime.pro. Thebachelornews.airtime.pro. This show is repeated every day at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or, yeah, Eastern Standard Time. And so... And you can do that every day. You can also get us on StreamYard, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and Anchor.com. So all of those places you can uh, see all of those. Listen to this show repeatedly. And, and if you want to learn more about we have a special price on advertising, uh, an introductory price, give us a call or email labachelor40 at gmail.com, labachelor40 at gmail.com. Tom. All right. All right. Okay. We left. Okay. Here's the question I left you with. Who do you think's running the party? Who do you think's in charge? Which wing of the party is in charge? Which wing of the party? I believe believe when you you ask a question like that, um, as a regular person walking around, follow the money. Whoever's ever given the biggest donations to the party is usually the person that has the most influence on the party. Now we know the we know that the money maker is Obama. You know that's what he does. That's what he's always done. That's what he knows how to do. However, the when you're talking about policies and things like that, just look. One of the individual donors with the highest number, uh, the highest amount of money, I believe, is a drug company. Um. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I probably need to say that on the radio, but anybody could look it up. You know, yeah. if you look and see who is contributing the most to the Democratic Party, then you'll usually know who has the reins of the horse. You know. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, here's the answer. Yeah, actually, interesting enough because I make this, I made this point in my last book, and I'm making it, and it, and certainly it's a point uh, that. Uh, you know that I'll be making in this, uh, this you know as well. But to answer the question, but I hate, I hate to yeah, say it the other but, way around. Who, who made up? Did they most money off of us going into war? And you know, I, I could run with both sides of the fence sometimes. But back then, you know, everybody had their hands dipped into, and I'm talking about Republican and supposedly, but um, they had their hands dipped into the war machine. You know, their their interests, their investments, things like that. Um, and, you know, you kind of have to shake your head and say these people are going to benefit the most from this chaos right now. You know, who benefits the most from me having to pay so much for gas or me having to pay that? Who's going to benefit the most from that? That's when I might look into an electric car. Boom, look who's, who's contributing to this stuff. How did the Green New Deal come about? No, AOC did not write that thing. I know that. She wasn't, she just hasn't, 
uh, exhibited enough intelligence to write something like that. Bernie? Yeah, maybe. Well, that's just where I'm at with it. Well, here's the follow the money. Now, okay, let's follow the money because the money comes in different ways. Uh, and one of the points I made is that basically what you have is a combination of oligarchies, you know, big tech companies, who are your, probably your right. biggest contributors to the Democratic Party. And then you have you know everybody's Republicans' favorite uh, boogeyman, uh, George Soros and the Soros. But certainly Soros over the years has been a bigger contributor. Uh, and I would say, you know, what you have is a party funded by some very wealthy people, and you have a party, as I stated in my first book, Democratic, you know, the rise of democratic socialism, is that the Democratic Party, even though is essentially the Socialist Party of America. So, you know, I would say that it's a common you're following the money. So the money comes in from, let's say. The uh, the oligarch, you know, the the tech companies. An example would be, and what we call in the the political business, Zuckerberg dollars, bucks. Well, Zuckerberg from Facebook contributed hundreds of millions of dollars on get out the vote type campaigns in you know right. 2020. So, you know, he's a, he's a major player at the table. Uh, he's a major right. player at the table. And, and certainly, you know, he's also a guy that, you know, I mean, and it's kind of a theory is very simple. And I'll, I'll throw this out to you. My theory is very simple in that socialism as we identify it is not going to be the socialism we end up seeing. It would be more closer to what I would view as fascism as opposed to socialism right. in the sense that you're going to have private companies exist. Uh, Facebook's job will be, you know, they're the media, you know, they're part of that media side of the equation to make sure that, uh, and and what they would like, you know, what, and again, they work in concert with their democratic, you know, their democratic politicians, whether it's censorship, you know, censoring certain people from being on, you know, censoring certain ideas from being on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Twitter and all of those. I mean, if you go back just to the case of uh, simply trying to, you know, the Joe Biden story for the New York Post, essentially, you know, for about one week, they were not even allowed to tweet anything. Story Correct. Came. And if you and if you try to tweet that story, you know, you were blocked from doing it. I mean, I know I tried to pass it around twice for like a 40 or 48 hours. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of like, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your. Scratching the back is, you know, Facebook is a very powerful entity. They are controlling the social media. They have expanded the social media. And basically, they will love nothing more to have a regulatory atmosphere that keeps future opponents out and allows them more power to stay in. In other words, make sure the regulations hurts the guys behind me, not me. In exchange... They make their deals with the Democratic Party when it comes down to censoring certain ideas. Uh, you know, go look at the parlor. An uh, example of this, you know, like, you know, now I use this in the book, you know, parlor. Essentially what happened to parlor is competing with Twitter. And that many, and they were lose, Twitter was losing people to, to parlor. And parlor is basically becoming the conservative version of Twitter. I don't know if you have a parlor account or not. 
Or you I had did. One. I still do. Yeah, I did before all of that happened and it went yeah. offline. Well, I mean, the thing that came in play um, is like, you know, whether it's Amazon, Facebook, uh, Apple, you know, basically they pretty much prohibited Parler from being, you know, to get their message out. You know, it's, you know, the long and the short of it is. They took them off the Internet. I mean, you couldn't get on for yeah. what, much? I mean, you know, Once, I, yeah. I, I, w- I had been on Parler and... Um, you know, had followed a few people and stuff because I'm not a big social media person. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting how they did that. And then when they came up, they came up in a little blurb. You know, it just came up in a little blurb, and then they went away again. It was interesting, you yeah. know. And they're back up now, I believe, right? Yeah, they're back up, but it certainly they don't have the same yeah. impact they had before. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, well, no. nobody thinks they're elected right now. Yeah, but my yeah, but my point would be my, the point that I'm making here is that they did the bidding of the Democratic Party, and they did it in such a way as to keep it legal. You know, it's not like the government is keeping this first these people from speaking out. It was a private company's keeping people from speaking, which is, I guess, quote unquote, is their right. Now. You know, that's again. You know, we've had that discussion on this show, and we'll continue to have that discussion yeah. about the power of the social media. But my point would be, you know, you asked the question, follow the money. You asked the question, is that what we're witnessing is the rise of major corporations aligning themselves with a leftist government to basically find their place to make their deals, while at the same time. Those companies, in particular, small businesses as well, are the ones who are going to get the shaft. In other words, we'll make our deal with the government as long as they allow us. And the deal with the government is going to be is we will allow you to stay in existence if, if you produce what we want you to produce. We want you to produce more green cars. You produce more green cars. Uh, if we want you to produce wind turbines and solar panels, we want you to do exactly that. Uh, if you're the gun industry, you know, if we are a banker, we don't, you know, we want to put the pressure that you don't loan money out to gun manufacturers in an effort mm-hmm. to get them out of business. And so what we're witnessing is what I call feudal fascism. And, and, I, and I'm going to borrow the term from Joe Cockton, who you know, phrased this, you know, he kind of phrased it very similar, as he said, the coming of the new fascism. That's how he defines it. Uh, and again, it's not, you know, it, you know, when fascism comes to America or national socialism, it's not going to come, you know, with funny-looking guys with goose-stepping, uh, with funny-looking mustaches. They're going to come with guy, bureaucrats running, you know, bureaucrats and government officials wearing Brooks Brothers suits. Uh yeah, just look at China. Uh, China, to me, is what the future could be. You know, it is national socialism. You know, they allow private sector companies to exist, but if you know, but they also, on occasion, remind those companies, as they've been doing recently, you know, just remember where the boss choose to put you in your place will put you in your place. Uh, your thoughts. <laughs> Well, I believe that we're kind of sort of doing that now with all this masking, unmasking, masking kids, unmasking, vaccinating, unvaccinating, 
Um, I, I believe that uh, we have been moving in, in that direction. I mean, we have mandates on all kinds of stuff that people don't don't realize right now um, and haven't thought about because it became mainstream. Um, uh, they're just, to me, it's uh, pretty much the problem with being, I, I really have issue with the media. But that's been going on for a long time, and we've kind of sort of ignored it. Um, We've ignored it, and we've reveled in the fact that we have media companies out there giving us information from all over the world and stuff. And, oh, these people look like they're doing better. Why would people want to run to America anyway right now? Try to think about that. You know, what is it? Oh, because of the media hype. You know, everybody's telling them, hey, land in the free, you know, that kind of stuff. Um turning out to be that way. Um, hold on, yeah, hold on, I, I believe on. we're slowly turning. I believe we're slowly turning into that. You know, Tom, I, um, we don't realize it now. I mean, when you, uh, they're calling things, uh, they're not calling, I mean, you know, whereas you and I would say, hey, we're having taxation without representation. Um, when they put taxes on you for how much you make and, and things like that. But then, um, with this infrastructure bill and stuff, they want to put internet access. Now, there's a key word to that: internet access. That happened here in South Carolina in one county with one per- particular person, where monies were spent for internet access, which means they put the poles up and they put the wires up. But you, as a general consumer, still had to pay that high cable bill if you wanted to hook into it. So yeah, you had access, but you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, it wasn't absolutely. Free. It was <laughs> no. part of the money. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to that thought. Hold yeah. on, to this Tom Donaldson. This is Tom Donaldson here. The Donaldson Files with uh, uh, the Swamp Girl, Pam. Here, yeah. the Donaldson Files and the Bassett News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Wow, jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Allison Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget the Bachelor News Radio Show uh, with your host, L.A. Bachelor. Uh, is live every Monday and every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can get it on Block Talk Radio on this network at that time. And it's rebroadcast every day, 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time at thebastardnews.airtime.pro. Uh, and if you want to, let's say, a show that discusses this issue, race, politics, police, and injustice, inequality in religion and sports, well, that's the Bastard News Radio Show here on the Bastard News Radio Network. And you can listen to that on thebachelornews.airtime.pro. 
right. All right, back to uh, – okay, okay. okay, you make a pretty interesting point there, and I wanted to kind of follow up on the point that you just uh, make. It's, you know, follow the money. You, you make a very interesting, you know, local example, all right? We're going to give you Internet access. Hmm. But in order <laughs> to get this Internet access, you got to pay the cable bill. So that means someplace, somebody, Correct. somebody lied. Somebody lobbied and said, okay, we'd be happy to help you put all of this up. What are you going to do for us? Uh, Correct. So kind of you know, go ahead and expound on this, you know, how this works. I mean, it's, how does this work in South Carolina, an example? And then we're going to follow up on that. Well, well here's, here's one of the examples, and, and this is why I say we've slowly given up some of our freedoms. Um, we had a, and he's still in office, so I don't even want to mention him because I really have a problem with the dude. Um, but um, in his district, which is uh, Richland County in South Carolina, I will say that much, parts of it, um, they decided to do Internet access for people. And what they did was that happens to be a pretty good part of, uh, horse country, we would say. There's one section out there where, you know, people raise horses and they uh, there's a horse shelter out there. There's a horse rescue place out there because we, we actually are not thoroughbred country, but a lot of people from New York bring their horses down here to stable them for the races. I mean, you know, it's just it's a thing. We have race horses down here. We have steeplechases down here still. And what they did was uh, the trucks came along and they went on private property and started digging the holes and putting the poles up. So uh, when we ran out there and said, what are y'all doing? They said, well, we're giving you cable access. Well, we don't want cable access poles on the property where the horses are because somebody might let the horses out when they're coming to check the wires or whatever. Or what happens in the storm down here. I mean, you know, we still get hurricanes and stuff. Um you know, what's going to happen then? You know, is it going to be a live wire laying in, in, you know, what? I mean, at that time, we didn't know uh, much about cable stuff. And, uh, no, they put the pole up. They put the lines up. So nobody tapped in. But where each pole was gave that company, that private company, access to your property. They could go in that pasture at any time leave a gate open if they wanted to, upset the horses with the big trucks and everything because they had put the poles up. There was not a thing anybody could do about it, nothing. <laughs> and to this day, <laughs> when you're hooked up to electricity, when you're hooked up to cable, when you're hooked up, you know, wired, something is wired or gas even to your house, that gives uh, the, the companies access to your home. And people don't realize mm -hmm. that, but we gave that up a while back, and that's what I was talking about, you know, pretty much, yeah. that we've slowly been giving up some of our freedoms. Like, I bought this house. I paid for it. Yeah, I got to pay taxes on it every year. Um, I should have some say-so, but as long as I'm wired up, um, you know, people can come on my property and do their service work, you know, whatever. It's, well, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, I mean, this, like I said, this is a pretty, like I said, it's a local example, but it's a example nevertheless where, let's say, what appears to be free is not really free. And that, right. uh, you know, as you say, you know, follow the money. Uh, 
But this is a point I'm making as well, and it goes back to, you know, a point that I, you know, you know that you know you're absolutely correct on. Uh, but but like I say, I mean, to me, the biggest concern that I have, it goes back, is in fact, you know, where we're going from here. Uh, I just got finished reading a very interesting book by a woman by the name Carl Roth, who talked about, you know, the pandemic. And she basically, you know, detailed how small businesses were pretty much got the shaft, as she noticed. She said, you know, we didn't really have a true lockdown. What we had, we had a lockdown of small businesses in many of these communities. Correct. Uh, well, that's what I reel so much about because they funneled everybody to Walmart. Are you kidding me? They funneled yeah. everybody to Walmart. It was the only store that was open for miles. It got exempt for some reason because it was Walmart. So, therefore, you had a higher population going into one one area because mom and pop's grocery yeah. stores were closed. You know, that was yeah. the craziest well, yeah, thing yeah. I ever seen. It, it's crazy, but, you know, these are the things that impact the small businesses because a lot of these small, hundreds of thousands of these businesses went out of business. And if you look in the area, it's not just the rural areas, but middle class, you know, or suburban areas, but if you look in the urban centers as well, same thing. You saw the exact same thing where small businesses, many of them minority owned, were considered not essential, uh, but the Walmart was. Uh, Walmart right. was. You could you could and, buy flowers at Walmart, but you couldn't buy flowers at the floral shop down the street that mom and pops had for seventy years. Yeah, you know. But yeah, but this goes back. I mean, this is an example of where you know we're heading off to in this regard. Uh, and I think it's a very interesting regard because, you know, and I say this repeatedly throughout the pandemic, you do not want to have a government with the kind of power that will declare certain business, uh, business essential and certain business non-essential. Business is non-essential. And that's too much power to give any government. Uh, even in a pandemic, it's way too much power. Uh, and I think you make well, a just very wait good on point. Just, just wait right. for it because they're fixing to say that that all these uh, Ford and Chevy, if they don't come up with the electric cars, just wait for it. Wait to see how the taxes are going to work because they're selling trucks, you know, that are non-electric. They're gas gas vehicles. Just wait yeah. for it. I'm waiting on it. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to wait for because it's interesting because. They're already giving tax breaks if you buy an electric car. Yeah, well, and this new infrastructure bill, yeah, but you got to charge it somewhere. But this new infra- infrastructure bill that they have puts uh, a tax, and people don't realize it, but it puts a tax on uh, going so, doing so much mileage on a car now, you know, a gas car. I mean, they're actually yeah. doing a travel tax thing, and I'm like, what? Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. That means I can't yeah, come but, see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. It's horrible. <laughs> okay. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, this, this is what uh, Pam is talking about. Infrastructure bill includes a per-mile road tax test that would track drivers' travel. Yeah. But here, okay, and, and so 
Okay, here's the now this is the article. This was in a thing called the Drive. Automakers are being pressured by the federal government and singling that let's say all half of your cars have to be electric by 2030. In other words, the government's going to tell Detroit, this is what we want you to produce. Okay, but here's the thing. You know, as fewer cars visit the pump, uh, you know, if you have an electric car, for example, guess what? You know, you're not going to get charged the gas tax. So what do you, how do you do this? And the answer would be is you do what the, you've just suggested. You come up with a tax per mile, which leads me to an interesting aspect is how do you – First of all, determine this. Determine this. Oh, see, here's uh, the fun part because all these new cars have these uh, OnStar things on them that they can turn on and off at will. If law enforcement can turn them on and off at will to track a car, uh, hello. Yeah. I'm not kidding you, dude. And 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 my my fun thing is, is okay. Um, Let's say we have a 65 Chevy that we put on the road every once in a while because it's a show car, right? Yeah. Who's going right. to be tracking that? Who's going to be – how are you uh, – am I going to be required to put a tracker on it so you can know how far we go in this car, which is a V8, which is a big old gas guzzler? You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. How are you going to do that? That's exactly how are you going to do yeah. that with the show cars? You know, how are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to mandate? Mandate? Hell, that's a fun word these days. But are you going to mandate that we put this this on our cars if we don't have it installed on the cars when we buy them? Number one. Number two. They're not making electric cars to handle South Carolina weather. I don't know about weather up there where it gets thirty four degrees below. You try that sometime and see how how well that works with those batteries they put in them suckers. Well, let me put it back this way. I would tell you this much right now. If you get an electric car uh, in the winter, it loses about 40% or 50% of its power or of its mileage. Mm -hmm. It decreases. So the answer to your question would be, yeah, it does have an impact because you don't get the same mileage as you would get in normal weather in the middle of the winter. No, they made them for uh, California weather, which is 70 degrees, you know. <laughs> every day, I don't yeah. They made yeah, them for weather degrees. extremes. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know how you know how it would work in the very hot, but I know in very cold weather, it decreases its power. So, in effect, well, here they, you got to – Here they catch fire uh, often on the interstate. They, we have we have more car fires now than I've seen before. And I'm not saying every car out there that's electric catches fire, but – there's a higher percentage, I believe, right now. Somebody did the research of the ones that are overheating here just because of the heat. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those are examples. You ask me who's in charge. You see how that, that, that ball just kind of yeah. drops, and it's kind of like one of those bouncy balls that hits this, and then it hits this, and then it hits this, and then it hits this before it goes down and hits the bottom. You know, it, it, it's just crazy. It, it's absolutely bizarre when you think about it. And uh, everything is connected to everything else. Everything is connected. You know, the media is connected. Yeah. Money. You asked who was in power. Well, uh, you know, 
It's the money. Yeah. The money is in power right now. And always yeah. has been, though. Tom? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Hold on. This is Tom Donaldson here, the Donaldson Final from the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh-huh. You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We got Pam, uh, the Swamp Girl from Columbia, South Carolina, and um, I, again, this is, you make a very interesting point. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like I said, we've been following the money, we've been looking at this, but I mean, here's the thing: it goes back to the point that I made uh, earlier, where the government is basically dictating to Detroit. Uh, you know, you're going to manufacture electric cars. Correct. Uh, okay, you're going to do this. We want you to do this. So, in effect, they're dictating what they want Detroit to do, not so much what the market wants and whether or not people actually want, they do want, you know, Detroit to say, we're going to, you're going to produce this. We want 50% in 10 years. No, or I should say less than 10 years. And you don't well, even have, let's say, that, go ahead. Well, the, way, the way I look at it, though, is that that is part of a political agenda because they want this done now. It's kind of like Afghanistan. They want this done now rather than let's sit back and let these companies compete. See if they can come up with the best electric car. I'm waiting for my Jetson vehicle, my flying car. Sorry, yeah. I've been waiting on that since I was a kid, and I do believe that we're getting there. That would be kind of fun. But um, let's wait and, and allow – if you allow companies to compete rather than force things down people's throats, and I'm talking about companies, you'll have a better outcome. You know, it's just that's just common sense. And apparently it's no, this agenda has to be done now. I want to know what the urgency is for everything to be done now. Why does the world have to be your way right now? You know, what is what what is this about? And usually I find it's politics. Yeah, yeah. well, like you say, you make it very – let's go back to the point you just made. Uh, you, you, you make it very – okay. There's a political agenda attached to, the, to this, all right? In other words, we want green cars. We want these green cars because we want to, quote, unquote, save the planet. It's an environmental thing. This is our agenda. 
and we're going to make you produce these cards, you know, whether or not people want the cards or not. But it also means you have to – so, in effect, it's about mirroring the image. It goes back to the point I made, you know, you know the point we talked about at the beginning of the show. Who runs the – you know, who's running the Democratic Party? Is it the people with the money? Is it the activists? Or is it a combination of both? Where, let's say, the car dealership says, okay, we'll make you electric car. Allow us to stay in business, and we'll make you electric cars. Uh, and the government says, okay, as long as you make electric cars and you do what we ask you to do on production side, that'll be fine. In Germany, you know, you know, private companies were told, you know, while you're making those you know, Volkswagen people's car, uh, throw in a couple of tanks <laughs> for our yeah. objectives. Yeah. But you get the point. Right. I mean, it's, it's a similar strategy in which, you're, in which corporate America is willing to follow the tune that the government has set to stay in business. It's like, as long as you do what we ask, you can make money, stay in business. But this is, you know, it goes, you know, but it is a interesting dynamic because it's, as I stated, it's the new socialism per se. It's a national socialist approach. Yeah, but see, here's here's my my issue with that. It's such about allowing companies to compete. Um, And the perfect example I have for that is when they uh, wanted everybody to have airbags. You know, when we grew up, we didn't have anything like that. I don't know if it does Mm -hmm. good or not. I mean, you know, you can find all kind of statistics and all that. Less people were driving when I was younger. But the whole thing was is that um, so they forced the companies to do these safety features. Guess what? They tried to do it the cheapest way possible to keep people to, buy, to you know, to, to encourage people to buy the cars. Guess what? Airbags failed, you know, because they were so quick to do production. And I believe it was the Toyota products that were recalled for that. I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Probably am. Shouldn't have said it. Yeah. Um, I really, but no, it, that I was that, that, those, those yeah. airbags blowing up, you know, the, the cars, and they had this big, big old recall. It was mostly all GMs, I think, a lot of the GM cars and things like that. Um, but I remember, I mean, it, that that kind of stuff with litigation. Now you got, you know, your tort laws, all this other stuff going into play with that. Everybody wants to make some money, you know, uh, and I understand that, but. Uh, I do believe that if they quit forcing Green New Deal uh, and calling it that, more people are more lenient about it. Right now, we are told that we have to recycle. Um, my pot was recycling a long time ago before it, be, you know, before it became like here's a here's a bucket. Go put your stuff in the bucket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, um, people. Yeah, well, people. Or, people knew. People will do the right thing if you allow them. But there was a force that. Oh yeah, we're going to do this because we got to have a green. And I hate to say it, but they said a green Columbia. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but people yeah, were but, doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, but yeah, because I mean, the other aspect comes into play here is that, uh, you know, again, it goes to you know the point that you and I have been making all along. Is, you know, it's not just about but see here to me it's not just about following the money per se as much as it's about uh, you know following the money 
but also following the government policies in which deals are made. You know, and there is this aspect right. that's coming into play where the government is going to start dictating what you can make or not make, you know, what you can do and not do to stay in business. Uh, Correct. And in other words, what we're seeing is corporatism. It's not free market. It's corporatism. This is what Mussolini did in the 1920s. In a way, that's what Hitler did. Uh, Argentina is another country that did similar things to this. You know, the Juan Peron. And we always knew what's uh, Don't Cry For Me, Eva Peron. Well, this was their whole economic policy uh, was exactly that. Uh, so you can break it back com- down to now the government wants to mandate that. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah. trying to do that. I mean, they're, they are doing it. It's not that they're trying to do it, but they are doing it and forcing penalties on people who decide not to mask for whatever reason, you know. Well, the other thing, uh, you know, the other thing too, they're pushing companies to do this. And correct. Companies to say, you know, you know, be a good sport. How, and however, I will look on the other side of that as far as vaccines are concerned. When I, I worked in the hospital system for a long time too, Tom, and um, yeah, we were we we had to take a hepatitis B shot. We had to have the hepatitis B yeah. uh, vaccine. It was mandated. All right. We also had to have a TB shot, um, a TB test. Uh, yearly every other year. I think it was yeah. yearly. You had to have your TB test. Um, because TB has not gone away. I mean, all this other stuff is there. But there there are some diseases out there that are still prevalent that for some reason it's become this, we will force you to take a vaccine and a require the vaccine IDs to get into places and things like that. Um, I totally take issue with all that myself personally. But I also take issue with somebody telling me I have to mask up or not. If you're a company and you say mask at the door, to me it's like shirt and shoes. Yeah, they can do that, and I can choose to go in that store or not. But yeah. but don't well, tell me I got yeah. a mask up in my house. Yeah. Ain't happening. Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, ain't happening exactly. But I mean, here's the thing, because it's like I said, I had this conversation with a a friend of mine uh, this morning, and we got into. And he kind of put it this way. He said, you know, massive vaccines are becoming like tribal. It's like, and what he asked me, because he said, I mean, let me put it this way. About three weeks ago, we had on the Dr. Larry show a physician who, by the way, is a Democrat. He said, you know, and he said, he said, look, you know, here's the thing, Tom. I want the kids in the classroom itself. This remote learning is not working. The kids are falling behind. They're falling behind on the test scores. We need them into the classroom. This is where they're going to learn. And then he added, uh, from places like Sweden, from places like uh, uh, Florida and Texas, and looked at, let's say, those communities that had no real mass mandates and were in schools. And they said not only were they learning, but there was no real significant you know, impact of the virus based on this. And it, so this is a doctor saying this, saying, okay, this is what – and his point was, you know, there's, you know there's, the evidence is coming in, you know, do the masks provide a significant benefit? The answer is no. 
but yet here we got people insisting on it, like most recently. The, uh, the governor of Oregon now is telling people, wear your mask outdoors. You know, why get that's the what I'm talking about. That's bizarrely crazy. Yeah. This is, you know, why get the vaccine if you're not going to get your life back? You know, I remember but Kevin I wrote think, to... These, these people that are making this mask mandate, I don't think they've ever seen the inside of an eight-year-old's mask after wearing it all day. That is yeah. the nastiest, most biologically hazardous environment that you ever want to look at. Okay? Yeah. Those kids don't know to blow their nose and they don't, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, it yeah, is exactly. absolutely horrible. And to me, it's just like, oh, my God. Our governor well, is under the gun, though, for that, too, right now. Because um, yeah. he, well, I mean, he had put in a rule for no mask mandates and... Now he's coming in the gun for it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like I said, the difference is the same thing with vaccine. I, like I said, I am not, I, am, I, do, I oppose forcing people to get vaccinated for a right. virus that kills two to four per thousand. But I got vaccinated. I think there's a benefit to get vaccinated. I think the, it's proven to be a lot safer than what you know, I originally thought it would be months down the road. Uh, but I also think that it's one of those things where, you know, people on our side of the equation are becoming more and more anti-vaccine. As opposed to saying, let's make this about choice. It's like this is, I mean, even Donald Trump, whose, I think, accomplishment was getting the vaccine in record time. Something that has not been done. Oh, well, now, I'm not an anti-vaccine whatsoever. I got the vaccine. You know, I'll come publicly yeah, yeah. and say it. Yeah, I did. But I, re- I do have an issue with forcing someone to have the vaccine. Yeah. Mine was my choice. I was not forced to have it. No company threatened to yeah. fire me to have it. Um, it was my choice. Yeah. Now, I was in a different situation, whereas I wanted to do anything to get inside a nursing home to see my mom. And if you want me mm-hmm. to, to – they, nobody ever came out and said you had to have the vaccine, you know, uh, but – yeah, uh, I I felt like that would help me get my foot in the door at the time. So exactly, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it comes down to common sense uh, because we didn't begin with pandemics for a long time, and we know what works and what doesn't work. We know in the case of influenza, uh, the number one, number two things you do is number one, you know, vaccination does reduce incidence of the flu. It doesn't prevent it. It reduces it. It reduces Correct. the impact of the virus. And number two, you got drugs like Tamiflu. So if you have a breakthrough or if you choose not to get vaccinated, you got treatment. And we're, you know, we got the same thing almost now. We got the mono, you know, the, the antibodies that are available through Lilly, among other things. So you have the vaccination yeah. and you have the treatment. Yeah, and you On got the, the other treatment. side of the equation, though, though you, you've, you've created an environment. There are certain members of the population, if they get a sniffle or a sneeze, they're running and getting a COVID test. And then you've got the other part of the yeah. environment that sniffle and sneeze, and they refuse to call in for work. They refuse to do this. They are not going to a doctor because they're scared they might have it, and they end up getting it, and then they end up in the hospital unvaccinated adults. You see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And that's in a younger age group than you or I could even talk about. But, you well, know, well, I've seen no, that happen the, recently. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I would say, because, you know, again, you know, you know, when you look at the numbers, the overall numbers are still the people 
including the unvaccinated, who are getting the seconds are still the people that are getting the seconds at the beginning. Uh, that's number one. Number two, <clears throat> I know exactly what you're saying, but here's, it goes down to test. I mean, like I say, to me, if I designed a test, if I designed, I said, look, if I was sitting there right now and I was playing Dr. Fauci, I would say very clearly, unless you have symptoms, there's no need to test that person, especially in the line of the fact that many of the tests, like the PCR, are not necessarily accurate in showing whether or not you're infectious. Uh, in fact, right. But see, what they've done is they've created that environment of fear. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. and, and that fear base, fear base is is making people run and get tested more, which helps your statistics because you have, you know, uh, how do they say it, a population. To, you know what I mean? It, it yeah. helps with your statistics if you know how many people don't have it who've tested for it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's yeah. kind of crazy, but, you know, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It, it, I mean, the problem comes into play, but, again, it, like I say, it's not good public health. And it's certainly, if you look at what the CDC would have recommended in January of 2020, a lot of what we're seeing they wouldn't have recommended it at all. So, you know, but the rec- right. you know, what, you know, and this goes back down to the, the aspect of the, the quality of the scientific community because part of science is trust. Uh, and if you lose your trust in your scientific institutions, it's going to be difficult to start treating future pandemics. And in fact, we see this yeah, now. Well, part of the reason. Yeah, part of the my reason only concern why I think right now, Go ahead. my concern with all of that is that I don't know if you remember when we were growing up, we learned about nature and nurture, about how to nurture mm-hmm. babies and nurtured babies, like do a little bit better and people that touch. We already took out hugging in school. Now you're telling yeah. us that kids can't go to school. They can't social. You've got a whole generation of antisocial little kids, and I'm talking about antisocial as far as behavior. They don't know how to express Affection. Yeah. Because they're not allowed to. And we're, we're mm-hmm. creating that. Yeah. We are, we are well, creating that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you what, we are basically running close out of time. Uh, so well, I, I want to thank you. You let me out. Yeah, I pre- <laughs> well, listen, I actually appreciate Now, tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Larry and I are going to follow up with some of the themes we've had tonight and and follow up with some of the discussions. So, you know, stay tuned. It should be a lively discussion because, uh, you know, Dr. Larry and I have had some private discussions. So we might actually disagree with each other. It's a rarity, but the possibility does exist. So you need to just show up for both the Donaldson Files and the Resistance Hour with Tom and Dr. You know, you know, Tom, Dr. Larry and Tom on the Resistance Hour tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be a great, lively conversation. So this is Tom Donaldson saying good night from the Donaldson Files. Good night. Good night.
you know, it's the resistance hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and uh, I'm Dr. Uh, the co-hosts are uh, Dr. Larry Fiedewa and uh, Tom Donaldson, and I'm uh, I'm Dr. Larry, and I'm one of your hosts <laughs> for, for the next hour. We've been uh, already uh, on the on the hour, on the air here for an hour, and. Uh, we haven't really solved all the world's problems, but uh, we are uh, doggedly trying to do it. So <laughs> we're uh, going to uh, go on uh, uh, with a, uh, a kind of a unscripted uh, critique, I guess, of uh, what's happening in the world today. And uh, Tom, uh, what's uh, what are we going to be most interested in this uh, in this hour? Well, you know, I'm going to follow up on, on a question I asked at the end of my show. And this is the thing that always, you know, just kind of is bothering me more than anything else. Namely, who's going to be held accountable for these disasters, for this disaster? Someplace, somewhere, somebody's got to be, I mean, there used to be a time and place where you screwed up this badly. Uh, somebody felt the brunt of it. And it goes back to a point like, for example, uh, I'm going to pick on my favorite scientist, Tony Fauci. And for no other reason, this guy has basically botched the coronavirus science to a point where half of America doesn't believe the guy for good reasons. He's a mediocre scientist who's been wrong on every major aspect of this virus. And he's not. He still got his job. He's still doing his thing. And we've got some generals and some intelligence officers. And quite frankly, I got to be asking myself, you know, why are they keeping their jobs? Yeah, but there was a time and place, like when Harry just when they got Harry S. Truman, basically, you know, kind of told, uh, you know, uh, General MacArthur. You know, I'm the boss. I'm the commander-in-chief, and you will not disobey me, and you will not go around me, and you're going to pay that price. You know, say what you want to say to Harry S. Truman is the buck truly stopped with him, and he was willing to make that move and do those things. And I, you know, and I like to know for the past several years, you know, you just look at this past year and a half, the number of screw-ups we had, either it's coronavirus, you know, by the scientific class and still going on, or let's say our incompetence on this whole deal. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Well, you know, I, head, think, I, head. Think, I think uh, President Obama put it very succinctly, uh, elections have consequences. And the, the only yeah. way in which you're going to have uh, people who do things uh, that uh, – are uh, not agreed to by uh, by the opposition is uh, uh, and have things done to them uh, in, in in retribution is if uh, the opposition wins the election and fires them or does whatever they're they're, they're trying to do uh, it doesn't always work. For example, it didn't work for Donald Trump because uh, there was a hate campaign that was very effective. And uh, he was uh, on the defensive uh, much of the much of his uh, his term. But 
that that's the only way in which it's going to happen uh, in a in a democracy, and that's if uh, if the opposition uh, uh, votes. Uh, he gets yeah. the votes and therefore he gets the power and then that's uh, how that's how it's supposed to work. It's uh, in a, in a uh, administrative state like we have now, it gets very very difficult to implement because you get you have uh, administrative state trying to uh, as a third as a third force trying to uh, advance its own its own goals, which which are not uh, necessarily or even uh, figuratively uh, 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 accepted by by the political class mm-hmm. frequently. Uh, so it's it's the more 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 parties you get to uh, do in in power doing things, the harder it is to uh, make uh, make them. Uh, Makes them uh, respons- responsible for for what they did. Now, let's say you got you got a, a Republican uh, House, Senate, and presidency in uh, 2024. I think you could see uh, a lot of retribution done. But it's going to well, you know, I, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to make a statement here because this is, you know, if there was ever a weakness in my view with Donald Trump in, in aspects, is that. He was not quick to fire people within the administrative class or the political class he should have fired. Uh, when it became self-evident last May, for example, that that the advice he was getting from Tony Fossey and Debbie Burks and others was not very good, uh, he, he continued to allow them to be official spokespeople for the administration, even though he had to know he was figuring out what they're telling me was garbage. And that's what I think is, you know, to me, it's not just getting elected 2024 is that you're going to have to have an administration willing to start throwing people out the door. You know, you go to the department of justice and figure out, okay, anybody appointed by this administration, you sent them out the door. You go to the intelligence side of the committee or the military side, because people can't remember, about 200 military generals were replaced by Barack Obama. He cleaned out people that he didn't want, that wasn't going to follow his policies, who were going to be in opposition to his policies. And, and certainly you did not see that in a good portion of the Trump era, and you better start seeing that. And the next administration, if we win all those, win everything back. Because I'm going to tell you, if you don't, the same thing repeats itself. The bureaucracy keeps moving as if it doesn't have to uh, pretend elections matter. Uh, and and that, you know, that's my, you know, what do you think? You know, it's not just about winning elections. you got to start cleaning out house. Because part of winning elections is doing exactly that. Your well, it's it's more. First of all, it's more than a four-year job to uh, penetrate down deep enough in the in the uh, uh, bureaucracy to actually uh, convert the uh, the uh, actors to uh, a different point of view, and uh, 
so, but it has to. It, it obviously has to start with um, with the uh, with changing the changing the, the the leaders of the the captains of the various teams. Yeah. In the case of Trump, he he had no background in in government. He didn't know who was. Who was who, and and he didn't know who the good guys were and who the bad guys were, and it took him quite a while, as it would anybody, to find out that uh, just because uh, the the uh, general that you made uh, the department, the uh, defense secretary, had a had a cute, funny name, uh, it didn't mean that he was going to be a guy that would uh, follow what you wanted to have done. And the same thing with the Secretary of State and so on. Um, so he, what? he yeah. started off with a, a kind of deficit of, of prior knowledge, yeah. and he didn't trust the well, right I, people yeah. for a long time. Well, I agree with you that that, and that's certainly in the beginning of the administration. You know, that is exactly what the case was. You know, he didn't have that experience of working Washington, knowing who to trust on. But the other aspect of it is that he also represented a totally different wing are totally differences, let's say, in what the political class, including those on the Republican side. And, yeah. and, and so that is it. But, I, but it's important for people to understand, you've got that this has to be part of the package, that it's not just about electing people. You've got to start cleaning up the bureaucracy You know, you got to start cleaning out the bureaucracy or else you're going to have an issue. Why don't we take a quick break here, uh, here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor. Actually, not the Dr. Kiss. Sorry. Uh, the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one and 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome back to the resistance now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. You're listening to the resistance hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And Tom, you were uh, you had this the floor. Yeah. Before the yeah, I like to me. 
Yeah, I had to. I mean, like I say, to me, the number one objective that we have to have uh, is got to be, like I say, we have to understand that to change the culture, you have to change the culture of the bureaucracy, and you have to start, and more importantly, you have to rein in its power. Which brings me to the other aspect: is that Congress has perfectly been willing to allow itself to have the administrative state take control over much of their responsibility. You know, here's a couple of stats here. Uh, uh, for every law the Congress passed, there are 10 regulations passed by the administrative state. They, in fact, are becoming the lawmakers as opposed to Congress. And, and this is like Jonathan Turley brought this up. And he also added, for every time you go to court, ten times you're going to be prosecuted or you're going to be facing an administrative, uh, an administrative from the administrative state. In other words, you're more likely to have to deal with an IRS-type agent or an OSHA personality versus having to face your own jury of peers and a judge. And these are the things that are slowly eroding the very democracy that we have, where we are losing that control. And that's why I think, you know, for Republicans, this has got to be a part of any priority. Or let's say, you know, of reigning in the administrative state. Because if we don't do it, history keeps repeating itself. Your thoughts? I think I think Trump's uh, another another problem that Trump had was that you have to have you have to have your own party behind you, and because all of those people in the Senate and the uh, in the House have their own connections uh, with the uh, with the administration with the uh, bureaucracy. Because they're the people that are on the committees, and they bring in these various uh, people to, uh, to testify, and and that's how they. And then they have, uh, you know, various uh, constituent uh, re, uh, requests, and and they get to know who the people are that are on the uh, administrative side, whereas. If if the, the president president is one person, and he comes in, and if if he if he doesn't have uh, much of much understanding of who who he should have in his own team, and then he also doesn't have the leadership and and half of the uh, the uh, members of the other of the uh, other branch of government, Senate and House on his side and telling him, giving him good advice, telling him who's who and what's what and how how it's good and what's bad and who who, uh, knows this and who knows that. Uh, If he doesn't have all that institutional memory to uh, add it uh, uh, available, then he has has to have it. You, You can't govern without it. And uh, his problem was he didn't have that and didn't even know he needed it until, for example, he ran uh, in his 
for his campaign, he was running against Washington D.C. He had to, he wanted to clean up, clean the swamp, and the swamp was all these politicians that these lifelong politicians, many of whom were in his own party, and who were scared to death, scared to death of him, and uh, and he didn't realize that he needed those people until he got got elected and found out that he couldn't do much without them, and uh, and of course many of them remained very. Uh, uh, hostile to him, some secretly and some openly. Uh, and Paul Ryan, for example, is a good example. Uh, Mitch, his, uh, Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney came back. And he, he uh, you know, was risen from the dead, and so on. Um, and, and a lot of a lot of that is just human, uh, the human factor. And uh, so, anyway, that that well, you're talking about retribution for for mistakes and for uh, for uh, not, sometimes not mistakes but devious uh, behavior. Uh, you first you have to identify it, and and that, that that's a big problem in itself. But it takes longer than four years. I mean, Roosevelt well, I, I was, had, yeah. I, 15 years and he still didn't get it all. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right in the respect that it's going to take more than four years or eight years, but you can begin the path and you do so, you know, you know, you know, at the leadership side of the equation, or let's say those underneath the leadership side, you do, you know, personnel, there's an old saying, personnel is policy. Personnel is policy. And, and, that's, you know, and, and the other aspect comes in play is that there's a point that you kind of made, you know, the political establishment side, is that, let's say, if you look at the what I call the populist conservative side of the wing of the party, is, you know, there wasn't exactly a whole lot of experience, experience people on, the let's say, the Trump side of the equation ready for government because basically it was an entirely new set of policies, policy that was relatively new, in particular on the foreign policy side where you had an entire uh, political generation raised on, let's say, the Cold War and never realized, okay, that the situation has changed. A, a generation that, you know, focused, you know, had Russia and the Soviet Empire not realizing that China had replaced Russia in that role. But I do think it is time for, let's say, those of us, to start thinking along those lines for the next time around. And I do see some beginning. I mean, you look at the Secretary of State Pompeo, you know, he you know, he was an instrumental part of the foreign policy. You look at, you know, Richard Grinnell, who was the ambassador to I think to Germany before working as a in a term you know an intern intern okay, what's the correct word? He was not appointed. he was appointed but never approved, yeah, in some, yeah, uh, in the intelligence side of the equation. But these are people, and, and, and what you need to start picking up that new generation of, okay, of leadership that comes, you know, from the grassroots. And maybe it goes back to the point that you and I have t- talked about, looking at the states. You look at a Ron DeSantis. I mean, look, right now, the Biden administration is doing everything they can to undercut Ron DeSantis. 
because they fear him. You know, they truly fear him. But I think you look at people like Ron DeSantis or Christy Nome or others, it's going to have to be done on a state basis. And we do, and we do get a chance to see who's for real and who's not. Who's going to stand up and who's not. Uh, who's going to simply say, this is bad policy or bad science, and I'm not going to do it, or I'm not going to encourage it, and those who retreat. And we're getting a pretty good idea along those lines exactly that. You know, those who stand up and those who do not. Uh, well, you got 19 of them, the senators that didn't stand up. No, no. Well, you know what? We know who they are now. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, I kind of think back, I mean, Starting to me it comes down to it. Leader. Yeah. Well, the minority leader may not, like I say, in 2026, his time will be up. But it's also time to start thinking along the lines of, okay, of finding that replacement. It's the same thing in Utah. You know, in 2024, uh, you know, there's nothing that says that Mitt Romney is, is irreplaceable. He is. Uh, in Alaska, you've got Lisa Moraski, who's up for re-election in 2022. And, and you do have an opponent to her. You look at, let's say, Lynn Cheney uh, in Wisconsin, I mean, in Wyoming. You have to start looking in that direction. You know, but you're absolutely correct. we got names of people who, when the chips were down, Failed to perform, but that's you know. It, but it begins on the party level. Your thoughts? Well, you you got you, you have to you know a lot of the more of this you know going in, the better off you are in terms of trying yeah. to uh, get your policies. Not only first of all, you have to get many of them through Congress. You know, not all of them, but you know, executive orders have become much more common now than they used to be. But nevertheless, uh, you, 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 the first problem for many things like budgets uh, is you have to get it through Congress. But then, once it gets through Congress, you also have to get it implemented in such a way as not to uh, lose the the very uh, purpose of the legislation that that you were fighting for uh, and it frequently gets uh, gets uh, regulated out of out of primacy you know the bureaucracy gets a hold of it and they change all the they, they change they in, invent the rules and, and such and finally you know, all of a sudden you find that what you got through Congress doesn't seem to be reflected accurately in the in the thrust of the uh, regulatory side. So, you know, you've got to you got you have to have somebody that knows how how to spot that and how to stop it and how to how to redirect it. And again, that that means somebody that's been around Washington for a long time, because it's the only way you get this this kind of uh, insight. It's it's if you see. Um, if you if you see things happen uh, over a period of time and you see certain patterns, 
and and since the bureaucracy is so huge and and the government itself is so huge, it's very hard to get. Uh, you, you almost have to get insiders in that particular cabinet area or uh, or other department. Um, so and then and then when you get somebody that comes in from the outside and challenges the whole darn. Um, structure and get I mean uh, the bureaucracy turns in a in a New York minute they turn away from away from that uh, that uh, candidate that just won like they did with Trump and in fact they uh, they they turned against him and and they started to undercut him and and it took him a long time to figure that out in the meantime we've got to take a break you're listening to the Resistance Hour uh, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, Jinx. <laughs> Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys. Did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and now Tom is going to tell us a little bit more about uh, how to listen to uh, the various uh, programs on uh, on the uh, Internet. Yes, you can listen to this show and other great shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Here's what you do. You go to the bachelornews.airtime.pro. The Resistance Hour is 1 and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every day. Plus, you can listen to us on StreamYard, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and iTunein.com. So you've got plenty of opportunity. And don't forget, you can listen to the Donaldson Files every day at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That means uh, if you're living on California, it's... 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. So that's how you do it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I guess we're talking about the uh, administrative state 
as, as compared to uh, an, I, I, uh, an ideal of uh, justice and uh, and, and, uh, and democracy. And it's it's a very it's a very um, uh, complicated picture, and it's, yeah. it's almost to the point where the punishment is the lack of power. There, the if if the other if the other um, party that's in opposition gets elected, then your your power is going to be uh, diminished and. That's probably about as much as we can hope for. There's very few uh, bureaucrats get put into jail for uh, for, for doing things that uh, probably are pretty dishonest, if not uh, criminal. And uh, mm -hmm. but for some of them, that, that's that's a real that that is a real punishment. But yeah. that's probably well, yeah. not, not the main thing we ought to be thinking about when we when we uh, uh, I don't know when, when we're thinking about who to vote for is probably not one of our major concerns do you think well it's not you know, you know, it's never one of our major concerns but it's time to start thinking in terms of if you're going to talk about draining the swamp you've got to uh, drain the swamp you got to start thinking in those terms because uh as we found out with this you know, past administration, the Trump administration, if you don't drain them, they'll drain you. You, know, you look at the intelligence, you look at the FBI, and the Russian collusion hoax is a good classic example where, quite frankly, you know, again, nobody's yet to pay a price. Nobody's gone to jail. Now, those very people responsible for that, well, one of them is now, now the president, you know, he was, you know, Joe Biden was the vice president during, you know, when this all began. And it's not like they didn't have a clue or an idea what was going down. They did. Uh, and so when you have, you, you see that consistently, you know, you know, this is, you know, and that's the reason why I say, you know, these are issues that have to come in play because if you have a situation where you can't trust the administrative state, uh, so you can't trust your government to enforce the laws equally. What do you have left? A lack of trust. And we are seeing this. And once that bond of trust between the people and the government, it's something that can't be recaptured. And we see this with the coronavirus. I think a good portion of our problems dealing with the coronavirus is that, quite frankly, you know, we have people who've been on record of being wrong, and they're still in power. They're still available. You know, I had years ago, I would put this one, when this thing began, you know, it was, you know, Professor Riley uh, made this observation. He said, you know, when you're in the academic setting or you went in the government setting, if you screw up badly, you don't get penalized. I mean, we literally had models that were off by a factor of five to ten times, you know, anywhere between 300 to 1,000%. Why? That's not even good for government work. And yet many of those very same people still have their jobs. And in the process, we engineered policies that just quite frankly are going to end up killing more people, destroying more jobs, destroying lives and communities than the virus ever would have done. And 
And it's time for those people to start paying the price for their mistakes that have cost lives and have basically disrupted lives and disrupted communities. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to make that in, you know, and I guess maybe I should try to figure out a way how to make that into a 30-second commercial. <laughs> but we are seeing it every day. Your thoughts? Well, we're we're uh, on the way to a real showdown, I think, in in uh, 2022, uh, beginning with uh, with uh, among others uh, Virginia, and uh, and I think that the the key to this whole this whole puzzle is really whether we're able to uh, maintain uh, our uh, integrity of our of our elections. Uh, it's yeah. it's being roundly assaulted, and if the uh, if the uh, Democrats uh, succeed in uh, federalizing the uh, the rules and the and implementation of uh, federal elections, uh, we probably will never see another uh, another Republican Congress uh, in either house. So. Uh, but nevertheless, if, and if they don't succeed, uh, I think we're going to see a major turnover, uh, starting per- perhaps with uh, with Virginia. There's a couple of other states too that are that are yeah. doing. Um, do you, I, I don't know which ones they are. You probably do. Well, I know New Jersey's got an election this year, uh, but that's New Jersey, and New Jersey. And let me look, yeah, let me look that up real quick while. You, uh, but uh, yeah, because that's a good point. I, I know you're saying. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question right now. Because we had this conversation in the past, but I want you. Uh, you know, what do you think? Do you think that the you know the Republican candidates got a chance uh, to win? You mean in general or Virginia? In Virginia. Virginia. Well, there's, there's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of uh, angst to, about the uh, current governor, and it's, it's a lot, most of it's really tied in with the, um, I think, with the school situation. You know, he kept everybody uh, out of school for over a year, and he's, even now he's just came out with a mandate that all the children have to have uh, Masks as they go back to school, and it's it's all kind of fluid. He's he's yeah. generally stuck by the uh, teachers' yeah. unions, and that's not very popular in a lot of places. So, well, no, let's, let's follow up on that point. You know, because we had a show with one of those school board members. Yeah, we did. Uh, here, and I thought his it was a fascinating conversation because we should save up front before we talk what he stated on our show. Because he's a Democrat. He's not a Republican. He, he's a Democrat. And he made some very interesting observations. He said, look, I've looked at the science. And he said, and, and I looked at the data. And he basically said, look, number one, keeping the kids out of school was a disaster. They, because he had the test scores were showing the disaster side, including in particular among minorities within his school district. 
He also stated that there was no evidence to suggest that there was any significant issues health-wise bringing those kids into the classroom. And he even went as far as saying, you know, the masks were an absurdity. Wearing mask mandates for school children was an absurdity. The science didn't back it up. But he also acknowledged it's the only way I could get these people, my fellow school board members, to agree with me to get the kids back in the classroom uh, is by voting for the mask mandate, even though I knew scientifically it was crap. Now, he didn't use the word crap, but I'm paraphrasing him because he's a very nice, polite gentleman. Uh, yeah, but, I, talked, I, I talked to him today, by the way, and, and he said the same thing. Yeah, and he said this on the air, by the way. I mean, he said, yeah, he said this on the air. So, I mean, I mean you can go back to show two weeks ago, and he was on the air saying exactly what, you know, we, you know, we're doing. But it comes back down to the point where we're not even following this. We're, you know, we're not even making even pretense to follow the science on, on any of this. You know, I, you know, and I have to be honest with you. There are times and places where I, I try to swallow my tongue when I'm out in public because I know people are scared to death. This virus have been scared to death for 18 months. They've been told this is the bubonic plague. They treat it as such, you know, and and it's a virus that kills two to four per thousand. Yeah, you know, we're talking about maybe a virus that, on the average, you know, will kill maybe two per thousand more than the average flu season. Pandemic very close to this, and and yet, I mean, and we have people, you know, scientifically speaking. Again, you're, you know, you know, the gentleman we had on the show, Latif. Uh, Dr. Latif was the gentleman that we're talking about. He's your ophthalmologist, correct? That's true, yes. Yeah. And I, I, had, a, I had an operation yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and my point would be is that, you know, my point is we're at a point where you have smart people who know this is BS but they're reined in either by the fear of the people around them or the fear that this government put into this whole aspect. Uh, in fact, you know, after the next break, there's, I, I'm going to share something that, that is you know, you know, from Twitter from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to, it kind of talks about where we're at with all of this. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but you get, you know, but I'm at a point where some, you know, but I'll go back to the point where sometimes I understand. It's like the other day there was a lady, at, you know, I was listening to the conversation, and she says, you know, she was a teacher, and she said, well, they make people get shots for polio. They should make them get shots for COVID. And I almost felt like saying COVID is not polio. One was a disease that literally would cripple you, this is a virus that 99% plus people survive with no problems. But that's where we're at. Well, hold that thought. We're, uh, you're listening to the uh, Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends, 
Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Tom, you were yeah. about to give us a surprise. Yeah, I, okay, here's it. Okay, I'm going to, I want to kind of listen because the airlines, you know, the FAA is now saying the mass mandates that you have to go through to get on the airplane are going to last till January 2022. And and here's the thing. This is from Wilf O'Reilly. You know, he's worked with me in the past. He's uh, and and this is what he you know this is what he states. I mean, this is what he's reporting that his plane. Because in fact, interesting enough, because I'm me, I'm going to be meeting with him tomorrow uh, on a project we're working on together with a group of other people. And he, so he's on his so he's flying. You know, so here's what he said. My plane's been delayed because some random. This is a key element. Vaccinated person wasn't wearing a mask at American Airlines. He's going to have armed guard gates, take him off, and people are literally, you know, chatting just one life. I don't know what that means. This is real as happened. I am on American Airlines. I didn't see a weapon. They just hustled the guy off, and they put him on a no-fly list. And we're sitting here on the ground. Now, this goes back. There's so many things with this story. Number one. I'm vaccinated. You're vaccinated. We know that vaccinations are either A, are going to reduce the chance of getting the virus, and if you get the virus, you know, having any serious illness. Uh, okay? So, it, you know, it's kind of like any other virus. It's like a flu vaccine. It's not perfect, but it does reduce everything. Correct? All right? We didn't use you know, vaccinate with the idea of getting your life back. This is what we were told. Get your life back. Now we're being told, well, we have the Delta variant, which uh, we're told on good and little. And all of a sudden, we're back to the same old fear. We're back to the same old control. You know, it's almost like the masks are a mechanism of control. It's no longer about safety. It's no longer about, uh, because the safety aspect of the mask, you know, there's very little evidence to suggest that a cloth mask is going to protect you from the from a virus, all right? But here's the thing. A guy's vaccinated, you know, if you've ever been on an airplane, anybody's been on a plane for, like, go to the airport, you got your mask on, you get on a plane, and you fly for a couple of hours, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. It's not the most comfortable thing. And I keep asking myself, okay, this vaccinated guy, it probably believed a month ago, 
I'm going to get my life back because I've been vaccinated. Lo and behold, we're being told, no, you're not. You're not going to get your life back. We don't care how many times you've been vaccinated. We don't have how many boosters you're going to end up getting. And this is the credibility. I mean, this goes back to credibility, but it goes back to, you know, to a, a class, a scientific class that have made so many damn mistakes on this virus, impacted people's lives. And nobody pays the price, but this poor fellow who gets vaccinated is now on a no-fly zone, no-fly list. Explain that to me, people. If you're out there, call me up. Call us up, 646-929-0130, and explain to Larry and I why this is good, sound public policy, where we ought to be wearing masks until damn right until January 2022 and beyond. Just to fly an airplane. If you've been vaccinated and you do all the right things. And that's my rant, Larry, but go ahead. There isn't any rational answer. I mean, the only answer is, as you said, it's it's power. This whole thing is is now become an instrument of political power as opposed to uh, anything scientific. It's it's obvious that science no longer plays uh, any role really at all. In fact, the scientists are now, the real scientists are coming out and saying saying the same thing. And and by the way, they can't figure out why the uh, FDA has not endorsed the... uh, the uh, vaccines that are on the market and that have been used by millions of people, and uh, still they're uh, dragging their 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 heels and giving a rationale for a lot of people that they're not uh, that don't want to or for some reason don't want to get a vaccination. So it's uh, it's 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 hopelessly uh, corrupted, frankly. Yeah, if you can, well, here's the thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, a, a pandemic, boy, you can politicize anything. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Okay, the FBA, okay, now they're going to say the Pfizer COVID. Now, they don't say Madonna. They don't say the others. They just say the Pfizer will get approval in January. I mean, in September. We'll get around to it. And, oh, yeah, we're now going to recommend you get a booster shot. Well, I'm sitting and thinking to myself, well, if you're going to approve one, why don't you just approve them all? I mean, what's his game plan? But here's the thing. How do you get – take this a step further. Because if you want to – yeah, I – Johnson – okay, about a few months ago, Johnson Johnson, they found blood clots in women 30 to 50. It was – then went back, they looked at one in a million. What they ended up doing – and I remember one of the scientists who was sitting on the board said, okay, fine. Why do we just simply not use it in these in that select patient? Keep everybody else using the vaccine, uh, like for example the elderly. Keep it going, and maybe just okay. We'll just hold off and giving it to this group until we investigate this. Well, we don't need to take the whole thing off the market. What did they do? They took it right off the market. Then they put it back on the market because they found out one in a million shot, and and at that point. And, and at that point, the uh, 
you know, the, you know, people, the, you know, the drop in vaccination rates started to occur. It comes, you know, it, it, well, I mean, here's the thing. Why should people, you know, people are sitting there saying, well, wait a minute, you took this off the market, now you're putting it back on the market, you haven't approved it, you're only going to approve, now you only got to approve one out of three vaccines immediately. What about the other two? And now you're telling us we need boosters. Uh, I mean, there's so many different aspects that people have been told that there's a point that the credibility has been shot straight to hell. And at this point, where's the science saying? It's the same thing where you have a an advisor to Biden come out and say, point blank, you know, cloth masks don't work. And we know from the emails that Tony Foster knew they weren't going to work. And if you look at past CDC studies dealing with the influenza virus, there was a limitation to masks and benefits. But here we are, and you have a, you know, Dr. Latif telling us, I have looked at the data, but the reality comes into play. We're doing mass mandates regardless, irrespective of the science. It's about control at this point. It's not about science. That's what he said today. He, he said that. Yeah. Why? I said, oh, well, he said he's got all the kids back in school, and that was his, that was his big, uh, his big interest. Or his big, uh, he said that, you know, they just didn't do too well in, in that. Uh, virtual situation, and he cited some statistics. And I said, "Well, what about the what about the uh, mask deal?" And he said, "Well, he said, you know, I I'm picking the, in the in my in the priority of, uh, of their importance because if I decide to go yeah. against the governor in uh, in uh, the with the uh, mask deal." And I say, you know, we're not going to require kids to wear masks in, in, uh, in our school district. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. And by the way, I'd like just a, a quick point. You're, you're, you're kind of cutting in and out uh, on your mic. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, yeah, uh, said, is that better? Yeah, perfect. Now, go ahead and repeat what you just said. Because I want people uh, to listen to the, what you just said. Yeah, he said that uh, that he's gonna he, he's gonna fight the. First of all, his first priority was to get the kids back in school because they hadn't done very well in uh, in various tests uh, showing that they were they had lost a, a year. In his case, not a year; it was actually only a couple of months. But even so, they it had it had hurt their. Uh, their uh, progress as far as uh, the various subjects that were being uh, uh, taught. So he said uh, he wants to, first of all, that was his priority, and he wanted to fight the battle that he could win. And I asked him then, what about the uh, masks? And he said, uh, the problem is if if I decide to go against the governor, on this, then I've got a lawsuit on my hands. I've got a big divisive issue, and uh, I probably would lose. And uh, and so, therefore, I'm not going to take it on. And 
I said, uh, that's perfectly reasonable as far as I'm concerned. But it proves the, your your point that this is all about this is all about power. It has nothing to do because you know the governor in in Virginia is himself a uh, a physician, so he's he's also uh, qualified to make uh, some uh, d- scientific uh, decisions. And and uh, but 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 he's not doing it. He's he's uh, he's not Ron DeSantis. He's just uh, going along with uh, with the, uh, the the you know the Democratic uh, credo of the day. So yeah. it's all about well, power, to... and you're perfectly yeah. correct that there that that that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, here's the thing. Like you say, yeah, I feel bad for Dr. Latif because he you know. A Democrat, by the way. I mean, people should understand he is not a Republican. So this is a. And so I want people to understand that you know he, what he's saying, what he's doing is not based on politics. It's based on the science, as he understands it and as he's read it. And his wife is also a is a doctor. So it's you know, it's a. <laughs> yeah. And it's and, based on what he's hoping that he can get the kids get for the kids. Yeah. And that's all he can get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, it, you know, I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I respect this guy even more and more, strictly because, you know, he's mainly because of his party affiliation, you know, is that he's willing to go up against the grain, unlike Northrop, who should know better. But... But then again, you know, this is uh, you know Governor Blackface, if I remember correctly, is he not, or is he Governor White Sheet? I can't remember. Well, um, yeah, we're coming. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the end here, Tom. What do we think? Yeah. What's the What's the bottom line on all this? Well, I mean, here's the bottom line. My bottom line is very simple. I'm, I'm going to begin with, you know. When I started, you know, yesterday, when I started today, you know, we are now a society, yes, I made a point, of mediocrity. We're mediocrity supreme. And I began my point with what happened in the state of Oregon, where the governor signed a bill that there'd be no more having to prove that you're proficient in math, English, literature, to pass high school in Oregon. They basically got rid of all of proficiency exams. Uh, and when I said to myself, this is the bigotry of low expectations, if there was a phrase that was just bigotry of low expectations, where literally people are being told that, are being told, quite frankly, uh, Expect, you know, lower expectation. And I just say to myself, if this is where we're at, uh, then how can we be, stay a great society where we're no longer expected to be the best we can possibly be, where people can screw up on, gov- on a major scale, like we've witnessed with Afghanistan, what we're witnessing here with the coronavirus? And and still keep their jobs. 
Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, there's a time for accountability. Your thoughts? Well, I'm I'm going to be a little more optimistic. We must protect and increase the integrity of the vote because if we allow another election to be stolen the way the last one was, uh, there's probably no hope for the whole the whole uh, republic. So that's where we have to we have to focus our efforts. And secondly, um, if we do uh, if we do uh, try to uh, if, if 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 the vote is held and it's and it is true and it's not it's not no cheating the way it was last time, then the next thing is right. we have to get the guys uh, who are going to uh, stand up to the to the challenges of of the uh, uh, re, re, restoring the republic to the direction that that was going. And we can't have any more of the 19 uh, uh, rhinos that are going to, uh, you know, dilute anything that the Republicans can do. Yeah. Uh, First, yeah, first of all, yeah, I just got a text here about what about impeaching the president. I'm not sure this is an impeachable offense, uh, but certainly it is, you know, I don't I I'd say, well, I'll ask you, what do you think? Do you think this is an impeachable offense? Um, what is an impeachable offense? Uh, let's just say, should we impeach President Biden for what he's done for the past, uh, just in the past uh, you know, week? Or? Well, uh, impeachable is is uh, defined as whatever the uh, the uh, House of Representatives decides it is. And I don't think they're going to. They're going to do yeah. anything of the sort, so I, I suppose it's not not going to be impeachable anyway. I think if you had a yeah. hostile Congress, that uh, they would step into it legislatively, and and perhaps I, I think he's done a lot of things that that could be considered impeachable, but uh, yeah. I don't think I it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I did. Before we uh, before we leave here, real quick, I we did have a caller just at the very last minute though from Florida. I'm uh, sorry we're not going to be able to get your comments in. I know he basically made the point uh, briefly off air, you know, you know, Joe Biden's doing what he's told to do. Uh, it's a thing we can follow up on a little bit later. Uh, sir, if you feel free to call back next week at this time between uh, 7 and 8 uh, Florida time uh, on, the Don- on the resistance hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. And, Larry, I'm going to let you say goodbye. Well, we uh, thank you for uh, listening tonight, and uh, we uh, certainly wish uh, wish our listeners well, and uh, we hope that God will bless America.
suffer from chronic CFED or can't focus energy drain? Try over-the-counter Vibrant. One tablet contains the same caffeine as a cup of coffee, but without the calories or coffee breath. Vibrant. Caffeine, not coffee. Taking Vibrant may result in increased productivity and decreased dread in setting alarms. Unexpected enjoyment of the graveyard shift has been associated with Vibrant. Vibrant may be a better budget option than drinking coffee. It may also decrease the urge to doze off, skip work, or exhibit signs of slacking. All jokes aside, always read the label, take only as directed, and limit caffeine as it may cause real side effects. Not for... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 